From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Everybody, welcome to season two, episode three of What's Wrong with Revenue. Today, we're going to take a real deep dive into the process part of a revenue generation system. If you've been with us in uh, um, episode one and episode two, you know that Eric and I have been talking to you about uh, the overall idea of a system and the six individual parts of a system. And I feel like it's going to be really critical for us to dig into each of them. So that's our plan today. And in the next, in the uh, series of sessions, uh, uh, episodes coming up, we're going to dig into each of these six areas and go really deep so that everyone can get full value of an understanding of um, what happens in a revenue generation system. So Eric, welcome to the show again. I know you're in Boston, as opposed to what the people at our place are commonly referring to now as square to South. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes, so your your new location is referred to as Square Two South. Um, I'm excited to be in Square Two South on Friday, so uh, we'll get to do some additional videos down there. Um, for everybody, a little bit of housekeeping to kick off the show. You can check us out on YouTube, the Square Two Marketing Channel. All of the What's Wrong with Revenue Season One and Season Two shows are posted there. We post new shows every Thursday morning. Like us, subscribe to us, leave us comments. We really appreciate all your feedback from all of our listeners and watchers. You can check out the show on Square Two's free streaming service, Square Two Plus at square2marketing.com backslash square two plus. Uh, again, all of season one and all the new season two shows are posted at the What's Wrong With Revenue channel on Square Two Plus. And we have a dedicated page to the show called What's Wrong With Revenue. It's at a footer of the Square Two website. Click on it. And you can subscribe to the show directly. We'll email you shows Thursday right into your inbox. And you can also submit questions. Some of the questions Eric and I answered last show uh, were submitted through that system. So uh, all kinds of access to the show. Last but not least, if you're into audio content, the show is uh, turned into a podcast and posted to all your favorite podcast platforms. You can subscribe to your audio content there and listen to the show on demand at your leisure. So uh, as you guys know, we've been focusing on the revenue generation system. One of the things we want to talk today in detail is process. How do we apply process to what we're trying to accomplish here, month over month revenue growth? Growth. How do we stick to it religiously? What are the weekly, monthly, and quarterly processes associated with revenue generation that we really need to look at? And how do we build them into our company's culture, into the rhythms of our businesses, uh, we're going to unpack what a weekly revenue team meeting looks like. We're going to talk about the scorecard. We're going to talk about to-dos. We're going to talk about rocks. We're going to talk about the ability to process issues quickly and efficiently, which is probably one of the biggest uh, process improvements that we see when companies move to a uh, revenue generation system. We'll share with you how to run a 30-day sprint planning meeting every month. 
and how to plan your slightly longer term 90-day strategy review every single quarter. And together, these come together to create this rhythm that we're talking about that empowers your team to execute a revenue generation system that produces results and gets things done from a revenue uh, generation perspective. Uh, like I said, we will uh, dig into the weekly revenue team meeting, what it looks like. We will talk about the revenue team scorecard. We will talk about how to process issues, how to run the weekly revenue team meeting, and then what a 30-day and a 90-day sprint planning and strategy session looks like. And with that, it's a big agenda today, Eric. It's a lot to do in a short amount of time. Um, uh, what are your opening comments around this particular topic before we dig into the details? Well, I'll be brief, but the um, antidote to random acts of marketing is to just install the framework or the process that we're about to introduce. I mean, every single person who's listening to this uh, podcast uh, is not hitting their revenue goals consistently. And they're like, well, why isn't that happening? Well, mostly because their team is working really hard. They're doing a lot of stuff, but it's random acts of marketing. By putting together a framework that you could use for regular meetings, it solves like 75% of the problems every single week. Now, I know that sounds aggressive, but it's true. The other opening comment I'd like to say about our process is that our company is on EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It was founded by Gino Wickman many years ago, many entrepreneurial companies, specifically those companies involved in Vistage and the Entrepreneurs Organization and the Women's Presidents Organization use this methodology to run their company. We are big fans, and we've taken some of the rhythms that come from EOS and applied it to sales and marketing. So big shout out to the EOS crowd for allowing us to, um, let us just say, borrow some of the concepts so that people can get better sales and marketing results. Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and just to tag on your rhythms comment, you know, you know, I'm a big believer in rhythms. Human beings are are basically controlled by certain rhythms. We get up at certain times, we go to bed at certain times, we get hungry at certain times, we work out at certain times. The, the more uh, regular those rhythms are, generally the research is the more healthy uh, we are as human beings. And there's a real interesting connection between companies and, and the way the human body works. Since companies are made up of other humans, companies are also looking for certain rhythms. And when you can instill those rhythms into your businesses, companies are gonna run more smoothly. For instance, at Score2, we do a company-wide meeting every Friday at 11 o'clock, right? Everybody knows that that's when they're, we're gonna get together as a company and talk about company things that are going on. Uh, people are comfortable, they look forward to it, they work their day around that, they never step on it. And it gives us a weekly touch point on how to share things that are going on in the company with everybody in the company, even though we are now 100% remote. So a lot of what we're gonna talk about today really focuses on creating those rhythms around revenue generation and giving your company the opportunity to do the same things every week, every month, every quarter, so that people start to get really comfortable with those rhythms and start to perform accordingly. So with that, let's, uh, Eric, we're going to start with the reg, the more frequent meetings, and we'll work our way into the less frequent meetings, right? So I want to start with the uh, weekly revenue team meeting. So I know you shared an agenda on the last show. I don't think you need to do that again, um, but let's like talk through what that weekly revenue team meeting, first of all, who who comes to that? Give us a little insight in who should 
show up at the regular revenue team, weekly revenue team meeting. Okay, so anybody who comes to the weekly revenue team meeting is involved in generating revenue. Now that could be uh, generating leads, or it could be closing deals, or it could be getting cross sells and upsells from existing clients, right? So at the highest level, key people in sales, marketing, and client services or customer services should be included in that meeting. I also always recommend that one or two people from the leadership team is involved in that meeting because you're going to have some strategy conversations and you want to make sure that someone's there as a backstop to check against company objectives on what the revenue team meeting objectives are attacking also. So it's not set in stone and not everybody has to attend every meeting. We typically record every meeting and the software that we use called 90.io records all the notes in the meeting and it sends it out automatically. So if you're on the uh, you know tropical island and you can't make that meeting, no problem. You get your updates and your recording so that everybody can keep track. But that's a general idea. Also, you don't want to have everybody on your 50-person sales team, right? You want to have key people right. that are joining in and maybe some sales leaders that can then uh, cascade the messages that are created into the revenue team meeting down to their teams. But typically, 10 people would be about the max for the revenue team meeting, a couple of people from sales, a couple of people from marketing, a couple of people from leadership, and one or two people from client services. Right. Very good. And how long is that meeting typically? That meeting is 100% every single time, 90 minutes, same day, same time. That's one of the keys to a weekly revenue TV that really makes it work. Right. So now we have roughly the same people coming to the same meeting for the same amount of time every single week, and they're going to work through the same exact agenda and format for that meeting every single time too. So Again, like walk us through that agenda slowly so we can talk about each of those sections in detail. Absolutely. Once again, a shout out to EOS because we took the standard EO, uh, EOS L10 meeting agenda and altered it to help with the revenue team meeting. So uh, when you're talking about a revenue team meeting, you have a very, very set agenda. The first thing you do, which is only for five minutes, is to segue. All of the people in your company are very, very busy. They got their minds on all sorts of things. What we want to do there is simply have them um, clear their heads, right? So we call it the segue. And when we have the segue, you can, you share one piece of personal good news and one piece of business good news just to kind of start off the um, you know, um, uh, uh, meeting with a good tone and everybody's kind of like resetting their mindset so they can now focus on that meeting. So I'll usually say, um, you know, I had this success uh, in business and I had this good thing happening to me this weekend and I'm done. Now I'm like thinking about it and everybody goes around and it's less than five minutes. Typically, we don't even use the whole five minutes for that, which is called the segue. The next bunch of agenda items are meant to check in. There is no conversation whatsoever on the next couple of things. It's only, is this issue data point or to do on track or off track? That's all you want to do. If something's on track, no need to talk about it. Everything's green and we're going. But if something is off track, we then have the ability to drop it down into an issue and then talk about it, which we'll get to in just a minute. So let me run through these kinds of things that are just on track or off track. The first thing is your scorecard. We take a look at the scorecard. Mike, you're responsible for this. Mary, you're responsible for this. Tom, you're responsible for this number. Are those numbers on track or off track? So one of the things we were talking about in our meeting, Mike, if you remember, was that you're personally responsible for website traffic. And website traffic, uh, you know, we want to grow aggressively, more people visiting your website. You weren't happy with what's going on. You said, you know what, let's make this an issue. We dropped it down into the issues, and now we're good. 
all the rest of our metrics were fine. So we go on. So everybody who's assigned to a specific data point says on track or off track. The next thing is that every quarter, people are going to have objectives they're trying to get done. You know what? I'm going to revamp the sales process. I'm going to create a new video that's going to explain this that of, of one of our services, whatever those quarterly objectives. So typically, that's a 13-week project of something you agreed to do that's going to move the ball forward in generating revenue. Now, if you're assigned three or four things for the quarter that you're going to do, you simply go through your list and say, this is on track. Nothing to worry about. I'm going to get this done by the end of the quarter. If you're having troubles, there's issues, there's obstacles in your way, you might say, you know what, I'm having some trouble. Let's drop this down to an issue. So once again, off track or on track. And if you need it, we always can drop it down to an issue. Then we look at opportunity review. The opportunity review is what are the sales opportunities in the late stages of the sales process that we're tracking that we're going to close those deals so we could hit our revenue number. Once again, I'm just waiting for the contract to come back. No need to talk about it. That's on track. Or the weirdest thing, these people went underground. We were doing great. What do you think we should do to crack it open? Let's make it an issue. So that specific sales opportunity would drop down and we can chat about that in the issues section. The next thing to do is we have our to-do list. Now, the to-do list are little tests that are typically assumed that can be done in just a week. Our goal is that 80% of those to-dos are done by the time we get to the next meeting. So that'd be Mike. Mike, get us the data on that trade show we went to. Let's see how many people we talked to and what the flavor of that was. Okay, no problem. It's a 10, 15 minute task, but it's something that Mike agrees to, to do and we're gonna make that on the list. So we look at the to-do list. Most of them should be checked off because they're done. If there's a couple that are struggle, might make it an issue or just might extend it for another week if we didn't have time to get to that. Now we get to the meat of the meeting. So all those things I just listed are just five minute segments, but this next one, IDS, that's actually a 60 minute segment. So what yeah, let's just, let, let, let's hold off on, on issue processing for a minute, because that's sure. like a bigger, bigger conversation. I want to really lean into a little bit. Everything you talked about was really very clear. However, I want to circle back on the scorecard piece of it, because I sure. feel like that can be a little tricky for someone that hasn't done this kind of thing before. So let, let's talk about the scorecard, right? We're talking about a revenue team scorecard, right? Like you, you, you know, casually threw out a very marketing centric metric, but we might have a more broad set of numbers that the revenue team is working on. We want to get all these people focused on company-wide revenue numbers to really move the needle. So while the marketing people might have a couple of metrics like marketing qualified leads generated this week, or like you said, website visitors this week, or sales opportunities generated this week, or maybe even, I don't know, so social posts or followers or, you know, whatever they think is important from a marketing perspective, you know, revenue may have, the sales team may have a different set of metrics like uh, um, deals closed or dollars generated, right? Or uh, proposals submitted to give you some idea uh, of how the pipeline is progressing, right? Sure. It depends on the individual company and what challenges they have. So like days to close, right? How many days? That's a metric that we could watch. Like how do we shorten right. that amount of time in the sales cycle? Um, um, things like uh, how many pitch meetings, right? Uh, how right. many sales outbound calls, right? If that's your thing right. out. So it really depends on the company of what their initiatives are, because if I'm going outbound, then I better see that each one of my salespeople made a thousand calls last week. And if they didn't, that's an issue because we're depending on that to generate leads. 
Right. And if the sales leader is at the revenue team meeting like they should, they're going to be reporting on kind of overall sales performance. So while they might have insight into how individual sales reps are doing, they don't need to report individual sales rep performance in the revenue team meeting. They just need to report the overall aggregate performance of the sales team. Correct? Exactly. Okay, good. And if customer service is there, they might be looking at you know, number of cross sells in a particular week or revenue from upsell opportunities or uh, maybe number of, of positive um, reviews that they were able to get uh, from, from an interaction with the customer service team. So, you know, our recommendation would be to pick, you know, somewhere between three and five really good high level metrics that represent how the three individual groups are doing with the overlay of contribution to revenue and use that as your scorecard metrics. And then you're also going to have to set a goal. So while the numbers are going to be populated in your scorecard, it's always against a goal. So again, to Eric's point, if, if days, uh, sales cycle days is a metric that's important to you, then you have to say, we desire a 30 day sales cycle. We're currently at 45. So to Eric's point, like, is that worth talking about or are we making progress? Well, last week it was 48. Now we're 45. So it seems like we're moving in the right direction. That might not be an issue. The stuff that we put in place to shorten the sales cycle appears to be working. Let's keep track of it and see how we're doing. If it goes from 45 to 55, well, I would think that would be an issue. What happened? Let's talk about it. Let's move it down to the issue processing section of the meeting and then let's get good insight into what happened from the sales team and see if we as a collective group can work to fix that. So that's how the scorecard should be set up. That's how it should be managed. Um, don't feel like you can't change those metrics because one of our experience has been like what the metrics you start with might not be the metrics you end with. And don't be afraid to change those goals. Sometimes the goals are too lofty, too aggressive. You know, maybe you wanna have a, mid, a, 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 a midpoint goal Look, after we get to this, then we'll work on the next level of, of improvement. So uh, it's a flexible scorecard. It's not one that you're stuck with when you set this up for the first time, but it is one that you use to manage the performance of the revenue team, make sure things are moving in the right direction. Generally, Eric's right. You want as many greens as possible. And look, there are times where reds still don't need discussion because they're better reds than they were last week. So look at look at your metrics from from that lens and then things that are you're not comfortable with or things that need discussion go down to the IDS uh, or the issue processing section, which we're going to get to now. So I know I, I, I put uh, the flag on one more comment. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Some of the metrics would be weekly. Some will be monthly and some will be quarterly because like, you know, customer satisfaction, if you're doing that every single week, it might be too uh, a quick of an interval to like really gauge any progress on that. Yeah, very good point. So there are three different kinds of scorecards, weekly, monthly, and quarterly. Um, you know, the, the weekly ones are going to drive more issues with your weekly revenue team meeting. The monthly ones may impact your sprint planning, which we'll talk about, and the quarterly ones may impact your strategy session, which we're also going to cover today. So good. So like I said, put up the yield sign for the, the run through here, but now we're going to go into the IDS section, because you're right, that's the biggest part of the meeting. 60 of the 90 minutes is dedicated to really working on issues and cracking them open as a team to, to move uh, the revenue progress forward. So go, go into that uh, topic, Eric. 
Yeah, so all of the issues are gathered together. And let me tell you something psychologically about gathering all those issues together. If you and I are talking during the week and we're like, you know, this really isn't working to our expectations, we don't have to take the time right now to talk about it. We could just go into the software, create an issue, and know that there's a container that's going to hold that for our Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock uh, uh, revenue team meeting. So it's really nice for your team to have a container to hold these issues so you don't have to like stop what you're doing and talk about them. So I, I find that that's a re really nice psychological advantage to grouping your issues together. When you have the issues together, you could have two, you could have 200. You, like, you never know, right? Depends on the week. Now, when you gather your issues together, the first thing the team does is that they're going to give them a ranking, a ranking from one to five, right? So if uh, low website traffic is mission critical to you driving online leads, that might be a five. If it's um, we have our customer appreciation day coming up in six months, I really want to brainstorm some ideas. That might be a one because it's important, but it's certainly not urgent. We have six months to deal with that. So everybody goes through the issues and they rank them one through five. The fives bubble up to the top and you pick the most critical one and everybody starts to IDS. IDS, once again, thank you, EOS, identify, discuss, and solve. You have to identify the issue because what someone puts as an issue might actually be the issue. You might have to have some conversation and do the five whys. Well, why is that an issue? And then drill down to get to the root of what the real problem is that you want to discuss. Then you discuss it. Well, what's happening? What caused this? What are the factors around that? What are our desired outcomes, right? And then when you really discuss exactly what the issue is, now you can work on solving it. Now, I don't mean like solving it, we're done with it wash our hands and it's done, but here are the action items we need to clear this obstacle so we can keep moving forward with generating the revenue we're looking for. Now, in some meetings, you might get to one, maybe two, because they're big issues. In some meetings, you might knock off six or seven because there's smaller issues and we come to resolution relatively quickly. But we have an hour of our week to really break open any challenges we're having with revenue generation at that time. Now, there's two people that have special jobs in a weekly revenue team meeting. You have your meeting moderator who's like, that's enough already. We're moving on to the next issue. And you have your scribe, the person that's working in the software and capturing the notes on each one of these issues, and then maybe assigning a to-do list or making a new issue that came out of it and really working in the software to keep it organized. I was working with a client and something came up where we didn't have the information we needed. I immediately toggled over to the software. I went into theirs. I, I created a to-do. I assigned it to the right person and I forgot about it because now it's on that person's uh, plate that they have to accomplish. So it's really great for compartmentalizing short-term and long-term activities into this one kind of like central area. And by the way, the software is key and 90.io. Go check it out. Pretty affordable. Any company can afford it. So now the hour concludes, we've either solved or have action plans for two, three, four, five of the, the issues. Now we feel really good because we've made progress on breaking. Remember, things that are going well don't need any conversation. They're going well. But the things that um, prevent us from hitting our revenue targets, at least we have a good space during the week to break those open. Just to finish up, the last five minutes of the meeting are we review the to-do list so everybody's clear on what they have. We then um, rate the meeting right? One through 10. If we have a 10 out of 10 meeting, man, well, this was the greatest meeting ever. We got everything solved and we ended on time. If it's a one, yeah, we didn't stay on time and someone went on to this tangent and we didn't stay on the, the, the agenda and, you know, it just wasn't the greatest meeting. 
So your whole goal is to rate the meetings so you can look back over the meetings and see a trend that the meetings are getting better. And then the very last thing is, are there any messages that we have to tell the rest of the team that came from our 90 minutes of working together? So it might be like, uh, we're changing the sales process or uh, we're getting some, uh, you know, a contractor to help us with our website. We decided we're going to invest that money because it's just that important. Those messages then have to be cascaded to other people. So HR would get the message on, hey, go find us a contractor. And maybe we have a budget issue that we have to talk to accounting because we need to increase our budget for our paid ad campaign, whatever it might be. But that we have to remind that we have to let other people in the organization on what we're doing so that it's all a coordinated effort. The meeting ends. Everybody's happy, and in 90 minutes, you got some serious stuff done. Yeah, that's really good. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is roles, and you did cover two of them, the scribe and the, uh, what do you call the other one? Moderator. Moderator, but is the moderator actually running the meeting? Yeah. Okay, and who typically would be the moderator? Is it like the senior executive at the meeting? Like, how do you decide who's going to moderate your meeting? They're elected by the people on the revenue team meeting. And because it's a pain in the butt to be the moderator, it might change every quarter or every half year or something until you do that. But it's really someone who's like keeping an eye on the time and keeping an eye and maybe, you know, vetoing anything like that. Yeah, that's a little bit tangential. Bring it back in. Right. And because they're concentrating on that and the issues at hand, that's why we rotate the moderator, because it, it, it's a thankless job. Let's be honest. Right. And and it seems like it's a little more. um democratic than a traditional meeting where the senior VP of whatever is like telling everybody what's going on. This seems a little more collaborative in terms of its flavor. You know, you have anybody can be the moderator, anybody can be the scribe, and you're all working through the same agenda kind of together. It's not, you know, like one person leading a meeting and everyone else is following. It's it's a little bit of a different format, wouldn't you think? I, I would agree. I never really thought about it that way. That's the flavor of how we run our own weekly revenue team meeting and how we help our clients. But now that you say that other people that are running, let's say on EOS, the senior person might always be the moderator and they're telling everybody what to do. That doesn't seem like the right move to me because we're all pulling on the rope in the same direction. And this is a, a time where we could talk about our issues, whether they're small, big, senior or junior. I, I, I think the democratic, I like the way you said that the democratic way is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. If your business isn't run like that, you're right. We generally have more collaborative sessions anyway. It wasn't a big, didn't feel really different for us to have Stacy, who's our company's project manager running the, the, the our revenue team meeting. But in some, in some businesses that might be really strange for them, right? Oh no, no. John, the CMO has to run the meeting, right? Like he's, he's the big, the big boss, but I don't think this format really lends itself to that. I think John's participation would be equal to everybody else at the meeting. I agree. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So with the weekly revenue team meeting pretty well spelled out, um, let's talk a little bit about the next meeting, which is the 30-day sprint planning meeting. So if you don't mind, let me dig into that a little bit for us. So well, Mike, a lot I of what the first thing you should do is segue uh, with the parking lot concept to the 30-day sprint planning? Well, how about I get to the parking lot eventually, right? Sure. Because like the whole idea of the of the weekly revenue team meeting is to uh, look at the things that need to get done, right? It creates a laundry list of things, to-dos that are related to the rocks for the 
team and rocks related to the company, like everything is really nicely aligned. And ultimately it comes down to those to-dos that get assigned to everybody. It's very possible that there's a list of to-dos and maybe even a rock or two that is beyond the team's current capacity, either time or expertise or just general, general, general resources. So, you know, Eric's comment about the parking lot means every single month, you're going to start looking at what needs to get done to deliver on your rocks and move the scorecard positively forward. There are going to be times when there's so much on that list that you can't possibly get them all done with the resources and budget and time available at your company, which means some things are going to end up on what Eric's describing as the parking lot. Things that maybe are important, but not necessarily urgent. The things that you want to do, but you don't need to do this particular month. The 30-day sprint planning meeting allows you to look at everything you need to get done and the resources you have to accomplish it and create a package of work that can be delivered in a 30-day time period. And what, what, what you're doing with this meeting is borrowing this practice from the software industry where they look at the same thing, resources and uh, a budget and the features that need to get built for the software. And they say, we can only attack these three features in this month. The other features are less important. They're going to wait for an upcoming month. It's the same thing here. Uh, what can we get done in this next 30-day period with the resources and budget we have allocated to this exercise, right? And yeah. that, that also means you have to be a little bit ahead of the game. So, you know, it's January 18th. Net between now and the middle of next week, towards the end of next week, you really should be doing sprint planning for February so that when February comes, everyone is very aware of what needs to get accomplished because it's been planned and assigned and the resources are fully allocated and they're going into the month with a very clear set of to-dos and rocks related to what you've all agreed needs to get accomplished in the upcoming 30 days. Now, it's interesting, just for some context here, a lot of people think 30 days is like a month. It's like a calendar period. It doesn't necessarily have to be. At Square Two, lots of times we plan 30-day sprints from the 15th to the 15th. And sometimes we stagger client sprints because we don't want to do all that overlapping planning at the same exact time. It can really be uh, cumbersome for one person to be planning 30 clients to start on February 1st, as an example. So when you're thinking about your 30-day sprint planning, it doesn't necessarily have to be the calendar month. Although I think generally it's easiest to think about it like that, but there's some flexibility with how you want to cut up your 30-day sprint planning. The uh, other interesting yeah, thing about this, there would also be some like uh, you know uh, particularness or OCD overtones. Like it doesn't match the month; it might freak people out. So it's up to the yeah. Company. But I, you know, certain businesses their cycles are different. You know, so yeah. there, there could be like something happening in the in the business that triggers you to start your 30-day sprint the 10th of the month. I, you know, maybe it's budget approval or something like that. I don't I don't know what it would be, but I'm just sharing that it doesn't have to be a calendar month if that doesn't work for your business. Okay. Um, the, the other thing is it gives you a chance to look at resources. So, you know, you may have a sprint plan uh, finished and realize we don't have the resources to support this particular sprint. In which case, you now have to have a conversation about where are the extra resources going to come from? Are you going to 
open budget for a contractor? Are you going to hire an agency to support the, the overflow work? Are you going to lean into uh, resources in another department that might have some bandwidth to get some of this stuff done? So uh, the conversation around what can get done in the timing that you have for it is a really positive conversation for the people who are, who are responsible for delivering this work to have. In essence, instead of uh, historically, you would really tell someone, I need this done and I need it done in this time frame," And they would have to say either yes and get it done, say yes and squeeze it in. So it might not be exactly the way it should have been done, but they committed to a certain time or no, push back and say, look, I, I need more time to do that. And then there's some negotiation that goes on. The nice thing about this sprint planning process is everyone has agreed. I can accomplish these tasks in this time period. So all of the work that you've you've packaged up for your 30-day sprint and all the people you have aligned to do the work have all agreed this is reasonable. There are some conversations about whether it's reasonable or not and the time you need. That happens during the sprint planning meeting. So when that meeting is over, everyone has agreed. And again, if there are re extra resources required, someone has agreed to get those extra resources onto the team so that that package of work can be done in 30 days. So, you know, it does, it, honestly, it's this meeting might be harder meeting than the revenue team meeting. First of all, you're only doing it once a month, whereas the other one you're doing every week. So you're practicing that weekly revenue team meeting more frequently, which in our experience has shown that people tend to get comfortable with it faster. So it might take you a few months to really get this 30-day sprint planning meeting down too. But once you do, you're going to be in a much better place in terms of what you can accomplish and when you can accomplish it. And it's going to obviously tie into any campaigns you're planning. It's going to tie into any tactics that might be needed to drive the scorecard. It's going to tie into uh, support that sales might need to close deals, bigger deals, different deals, specific deals. It all has to tie back into the overall revenue team's goals and objectives or rocks that you establish during your weekly revenue team meeting. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, well presented, Mike. That really is all the okay. details. And I mean, look, it's critical, right? Because once again, we started the, today's episode with random acts of marketing. There's no framework. Now we have weekly meetings, and now you just clearly define what we do every month. Right. The other nice thing about the 30-day sprint planning meeting is everyone on the team is clear what everyone's going to accomplish in that 30-day period. There's really no ambiguity. Who's working on this? Who's working on that? When's it going to get done? There's a definition of done included in the 30-day sprint planning process so that everybody knows exactly what done means so that if they have to pick it up next, they know exactly what form they're going to get it in. For instance, if I'm a writer and I'm writing a new webpage, it absolutely has to be live this month, then the designer and the developer know exactly what that copy is going to look like. So when they get it, they can apply the design. When the developer gets the design and the copy, they can apply that uh, on the web page. They can make it go live. Everyone has agreed on what the QA process associated with that page is going to be. And that's all been agreed that that can something that can get done in this particular 30-day period. You may have some situations where you can't get a package of work like that done in 30 days, but you should break it up into what can get done in that 30 days. If it's just design and copy, that's fine. Then you'll push into the parking lot the build of that page, and that will come into the second 30-day sprint planning meeting. Okay, we finished design and copy last month. This month, we're going to do build. Let's assign it to John. He can have it done in two weeks. So you can see how the period and the resources allow you to cut work up 
in very uh, definable ways so that the, everyone is clear about who's doing what and when it's going to get finished. Big, yep. big improvement around the execution phase of marketing, especially when you're looking at more complex campaigns that might have multiple touches and multiple assets and multiple uh, targets. This process will help you dial that in a lot more efficiently. Um, the last piece of the puzzle here is this 90-day strategy session, which, Eric, I'll let you talk a little bit about it, but is kind of the overlay to these three 30-day sprints that would happen inside quarter. And, you know, business, business happens very quickly these days. Things change, competitors change, market conditions change. You need a meeting like this 90-day strategy session to keep everybody tuned into what's going on and make sure that the things that you're executing are still aligned with company strategy. Yeah, that last part is actually the key because you know things shift in business and you wanna make sure that things are aligned. As a company, if you're any kind of strategic company, you have quarterly objectives, annual goals, right? You have some kind of planning in place and you wanna make sure that the marketing and sales activities that are executed in the weekly revenue team meeting match with the initiative. So I'll give you a quick example. Got a client and they own uh, several um, therapy centers, right? And in that quarterly planning session, they said, good news, we've decided we're opening up another center and it'll be ready the beginning of Q3. The revenue team says, whoa, good news, but we got a lot of work to do for that grand opening. We got to make sure that it's a success. So by understanding that that's a company initiative or rock, now the revenue team can go back and say, hey, we have to change uh, course ever so slightly. Now we have to build into our work to support the grand opening of the new location. And that's a good translation from company strategy to revenue team strategy. And it gives us quarterly view of what do we have to do over the next 30 day sprints to make sure that that uh, is off and running successfully. So that's basically it. It's a, it's a touch point. It's a higher level strategic conversation than it is, I think, on the 30-day sprint planning and the weekly revenue team. That's more tactical. This is like bring strategy. And it makes sure that there's no more than 90 days goes by without us checking in on the company strategy. Yeah, and I think this, this meeting too might be one that is done with higher level leadership team members. So, you know, I think that you know, the company as a whole should probably consider a 90-day strategy touch base where, you know, the CEO, CFO, COO, or maybe sharing some things with the leadership of the revenue team in terms of what's going on in the company, what's expected of them, you know, how, how things are going. Um, and then the uh, revenue team leadership has the ability to cascade down those messages to the participants of the revenue team so that they're capable of designing the right campaigns and including the right messaging and pivoting. If there is a competitive threat that was not uh, visible or um, obvious before, uh, that might require some adjustments to some of the campaign execution or the marketing or sales execution. You know, the sales story might have to change a little bit. Um, if there is something going on in the market that is uh, more relevant this month than last month or this quarter than last quarter. So those are the kind of things that need to get covered in that strategy meeting. It really prevents the revenue team from deviating too far off track. If every 90 days there's a reset and a touch base with leadership, you're going to ensure that the revenue team is always lined up with where the company is going, always uh, moving the company forward from a revenue perspective and, and keeping all those outside uh, influences front and center 
uh, in terms of some of the things that they're trying to put together from a marketing and sales perspective. Yep. And those are the three meetings, right? Now you have annual planning, right? But that's way high level and very, very strategic because that doesn't get into the weeds of any of the tactical things. But you have annual planning once a year. You have quarterly planning every quarter, every 30 days, a sprint. And then every week you have a weekly thing. That is the framework of process. We already assigned some people, the moderator, the scribe, so we know what those people are doing. We have data built in, so we're constantly monitoring what's working and what's not. And now you can start to see how it all comes together in a process that is so important to embed before you start talking about what should our blog post be or how are we going to do redo our website? The process has to be in place. So when we're working with clients on the RGS, the very first thing is setting up their weekly revenue TBD because they have to practice and get into that new group so they can start to execute on some of the things. Um, had a new client, they had a list of 14 or 15 issues right out of the gate. And they were like, wow, this is great. We have a place now to keep all of these issues, which historically this person kept three to themselves and that person kept four to themselves. And this person had a weird one over here. Now the whole team was working on it. So it really was very refreshing to see this structure kind of help them organize what they should be doing on a weekly, monthly, and quarterly basis. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to wrap up here in a minute, but, you know, just think about this kind of activity in your company very few people are running a process like this right now. And I think it's an indication as to why so many companies are struggling with revenue. Just think about if you had this process at your company, how could you not improve revenue at least a little bit, right? Obviously, there's going to be five other pretty big topics we're going to talk about that need to be present to really drive revenue. But with this kind of process associated with your resources and organizing them and getting them focused and the communication associated with these meetings, you're going to be way ahead of where you are now, where, where everyone's kind of working in silos. So um, let me wrap up uh, today's episode. Uh, uh, very good conversation. And like I said, we're going to cover each of the five, uh, each of the six pieces of the uh, RGS system. This is just the first one. So in all the in the next five upcoming episodes, we're going to dig deep. The uh, next week's episode, episode four of season two, we're going to talk about strategy. Again, it's probably uh, uh, an epidemic of missing strategy in terms of the companies that we see. A ton of random acts of marketing going on these days. So our deep dive into strategy, what it means, how to build it, kind of like we did today with the process piece of it, is really going to give companies a big leg, leg up in terms of uh, putting a revenue generation system in place at their companies too. So um, Eric, really appreciate the feedback and the comments on the RGS system today. Uh, reminding everybody that uh, check out the show on YouTube. Square Two Marketing has a channel. Uh, all of season one and season two, What's Wrong With Revenue episodes are posted there. Like us, subscribe to it, leave us comments. Uh, very helpful for us to get your feedback on YouTube. Uh, all of the shows are also posted on Square Two streaming service, square2marketing.com backslash square2plus. Square 2 Plus is free and available to everybody. We have channels for CROs, CEOs, CMOs. We have a technology channel for issues related to HubSpot. And all of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows are posted there too. And we have a dedicated page to What's Wrong With Revenue on our website at the bottom in the footer. Click on it. You can subscribe to the show and we'll email you fresh shows every single Thursday. And we will also allow you to submit questions, which Eric and I will answer on an upcoming show. Thanks, everybody, for attending. We've enjoyed talking about process as part of the, our revenue generation system on the show today, and we'll catch you all next week. 
episode four. Thank you. Bye-bye.